0: She just got a $21,000 commission check as an acquisition manager, $21,000 commission. And that changed her whole, like her and her wife and their baby. Like it changed their life. That's a life changing check. And like there's like, I started my career in inside sales for $27,000 a year. She made $21,000 in one paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not, that's not little. Like, we, we have a responsibility as business owners, as leaders inside of our organizations to show up every day and to change the world. Like, and it's you doing your part. Like, I'm thankful that we got to play a small part in that. And, like, now she's on Pace this month. She's, she's got 10 deals so far on Pace to do 12 or 14. Like, that. That's an impact, and that's what Annie and I, REI Sales Tools, like. that's what we're all about.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? Good morning. Welcome to the Not Genius Podcast. I hope you guys are having a blessed week. Hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. Today, we have a special treat for you guys. We have Jenny Hudspeth in the house from Alabama.
2: Woo! Woo!
1: <laughs> yeah. You just won the belt, Jenny, at the Collective Genius. We're so proud of you and Annie. What did you guys present about?
0: So we presented about, oh, first, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, we were very excited and very honored and super humbled to have been able to win the belt, but we talked about feedback and how important it is um, and how that there, there's a strategic way to, to give feedback. Um, what we've seen a lot is that um, it's really easy as sales managers, CEOs, COOs, pretty much any role where there are people underneath you uh, to either avoid giving feedback altogether um, to wait to give feedback until you explode. Um, So, you know, for me and my experience as a sales manager and and a director of sales, I just had to learn how to give feedback in a way that didn't diminish my team, that didn't um, cause frustration, didn't cause turnover. Um, And so what we presented on was essentially eight steps to being able to give feedback in a really appropriate way that will be well received. So, we were really excited about about that, and the guys yeah. in the room and the gals in the room really mm-hmm. enjoyed it.
1: That's so amazing. I mean, going back to when we first met, I think it was like back in January, mm-hmm. back in January, on a boat. Mm-hmm. We, were, a boat. we, were, we, were, we <laughs> were complaining, like, where's the boat this time around? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Is membership we were ex- down? We were expecting a bigger boat
3: this year. But no, it was awesome that you guys got second on January, right, and you yeah, came was- back.
0: It was our very first presentation, yeah. and um it was it was a lot of fun and so we came back and um leon and and jason they the guys asked me to do a track presentation this time, which was really, really cool my second pre- my personal second presentation ever mm-hmm. and so um and then our hot seat presentation was our third, so
1: we did not get put onto the list to do a presentation this time around. I was like, huh, I guess there's just a lot of new membership, and people They just need more time in order to allow people to do their presentations.
0: We had a ton of new members in the room that we were in. So it was like, I told Jason this morning, we sat and had breakfast. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like, he was sitting at the breakfast table by himself. So I was like, I'm going to eat breakfast with you. And he was like, come on in. (laughs) Um, and so we, we literally cried like at the breakfast table 14 times. It was awesome. But I told him this morning, um, he said, "How do you feel winning the belt?" And I was like, "Honestly, it's a really weird feeling." Um, and I was, and I told him like, "I mean, I'm kind of mad." And he was like, "Well, or I don't even know what I said. Like, kind of sad, kind of mad." And he was like, "What do you even mean?" And I said, "Well, there were so many incredible presentations mm. in our room. Like, I feel like um, uh, Katie on Mean Girls, like mm. where she like breaks her crown into like 14 pieces <laughs> and she like throws it out and she gives some big speech." Um, but that's honestly what I wanted to do. There were so many incredible people in our room who really gave it such a top tier level. Um, while I'm thankful, like it almost feels undeserving because Mm. there were just so many good presentations. Mm, So, so it was awesome. I mean, I'm humbled, you know?
2: Yeah.
3: So if you don't mind telling us a little bit about kind of your origin story and how you ended up being the belt winner and such a beast (laughs) sales trainer.
0: My first real job in sales, I was I literally worked at K-Jewelers. Um and I remember telling my husband, who was my best friend then, like, I'm gonna be a dermatologist. Cause like anything I did, I wanted to go all the way. You know, I wanted to do like that was the top tier for K Jewelers was like being a certified dermatologist. Um, and I went from there and I worked in a AT an authorized AT&T retailer for a few years, and that's really how um, I got started doing inside sales. So I worked on the phones. I sold TV, internet, and home phones to apartment complexes, to people moving into their apartments. Like, I don't know. It takes special skill to sell someone who's moving into an apartment, a home phone, Mm -hmm. learned how to do that. That was fun. Um, and I worked inside, inside that company for a little over three years. And, um, decided that this, you know, that that organization was just not really where I needed to be long-term. It was, um, it was great. I learned a lot, but the environment and the culture, um, not inside the office, but outside the office wasn't really something that I, um, I needed in my life at that time. I was kind of in a growth phase. And so I left and, um, it was like a December in December of 2017, I think maybe, um, and i so i didn't leave to move on to something bigger i just knew that like i couldn't be there any longer it was not healthy for me and so i was unemployed from january to to april of 2019 and i like watched all 10 seasons of friends which was <laughs> awesome unagi oh, i'm sorry salmon sushi roll um, I love. I watched all ten seasons of Friends. I tried to watch The Office. I couldn't get past season one. Don't hate me. <laughs> um, and so I sat on the couch and I watched Netflix for three months. And we spent all of our savings, all of our savings at the time, on rent and groceries. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't working, and I wasn't thriving. And our, um realized like we, we're about to have a problem. Like we can't pay our we can't pay our rent. We can't mm-hmm. pay for groceries. Um and I had a bit, I had been applying for jobs before December, like September, October, November, December, applying for different jobs here and there. Um and I I ended up at a networking event at an investor meetup. Um how'd you end up there? So I was like, I'm gonna go I'm gonna network. I'm going to be the best networker there is. And so I was trying to go to all of these things that were happening inside of the city to meet people that I didn't know to broaden my horizons. And I had applied for an inside sales position um, at that company. And I ended up seeing that they had this event. And I was like, I'm going to go and introduce myself, you know. So I went introduced myself. I was like, I've applied for a job a couple months ago. You should hire me. (laughs) Made a joke, said hello, met some people. um, And then I left and I didn't get a call back literally for months. Um, So I got a phone call one day and They were like, hey, you still looking for a job? And I was like, heck yeah, I'm still looking for a job. And they were like, great, can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, I'm coming right now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I said, just kidding, I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) 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 Um, So I went in. I went in that next day and got got offered a job on the spot and started the next day. Um, And I was hired as an inside sales rep um, in a primarily wholesale real estate investment company. And um, I went from, I was, I worked for that organization for a couple of months, um, got called in. I feel like I, like I got called in for a one-on-one, like a quarterly review. So I'd been there for about three months, maybe got called in for a quarterly review: January, February, March, April, May, June. Yeah. Started in April. So April, May, June, three months in, I got called in for a one-on-one and, um, and my boss was like on a scale of one to four, one being the worst, four being the best you're a one and I was like respectfully, I'm definitely a four and all of your data all of your data is flawed and he kind of looked at me crossed and I was like, if you give me an hour I'll show you you know I'll, I'll show you how I'm not wrong um and that was kind of really what started a growth trajectory for me because I always thought that, Really, my worth was only, like, I got hired for that lead management position at $27,000 annually. And I was, thought that, and I was happy about it. And so, like, I just didn't know what I was capable of till I was given an opportunity to really thrive until someone saw something in me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. that's what that's kind of my origin story in sales at least not as a human that's so cool.
1: how could you possibly go a little bit deeper
0: so ho oh, hey oh as, <laughs> as deep no, as comfortable as you No, feel. i'm totally i'm an yeah. open book I, I just don't know if you're ready <laughs> that was the we're,
1: that's what we're here for yeah
0: no i love it um so really um my i come from um my dad raised me by himself pretty much from the time I was five until I graduated. Um, he's a retired Marine. Um just my hero. Like when I think about my dad, he has he's given me everything, um everything that he could, sacrificed things that he wanted for himself to take care of me. Um, so I'm from a small, a small town, I guess it's not so small anymore. Uh, Chelsea, Alabama, it's like close to Birmingham, Alabama, say central. Uh, I grew up, I grew up in, in a trailer park in Westover, which is another 30 minutes from Chelsea West. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was everything. I didn't realize at the time that we didn't have what everyone else had. You know, my dad was just such an incredible dad. Like I said, he always gave me everything, um, everything that he could. I was a competitive gymnast when I was younger and I didn't realize until, until I grew up into an adult, how much he had to sacrifice to put me in leotards to buy me grips, to make sure I was at practice. I worked out four hours a day every day. Not only was I doing gymnastics, he had me competing in gymnastics. So I was traveling all over the U.S., you know, like all over the state. Like we were we were just traveling all over all the time. Um, so, you know, upbringing was not like while I think others would deem it like less than, for me it didn't really feel that way. Um, until I got older and realized like, and we didn't have what everybody else had. And I remember very distinctly like this one conversation, um, Hey dad, <laughs> probably going to listen to this, but I I just really remember one conversation where dad looked at me, sat me down on the couch. I had to have been like maybe nine or 10 complaining about not having Abercrombie jeans to wear. Like all my friends are wearing Abercrombie and Fitch dad. Um, And he looked at me and he took his shoes off and he said, do you see my socks? And I was like, yeah, dad, I see your socks. And he's like, every single pair of my socks has holes in them. Do you see my jeans? Every pair of my jeans has holes in them. And he said, I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad for me. I'm telling you this because, what you have, you should be grateful for because I sacrifice everything so you can have the very best. And I just remember that moment of realization that I was a brat. (laughs) (laughs) I was this full rotten brat and dad put me in my place in such a humbling way that, you know, he just, um, he just kind of showed me how, how to be and who to be. And, I always tell other dads, like I think even at this event, like twice I've said it, um, like if you're a dad of a daughter, like the most important lesson that you can teach her is how valuable she is. And if I could say anything that my dad taught me in my whole life, and he's taught me so many things, but um, it's just how valuable I am and how much value to place in myself. I remember him asking me when I was in school, like, is this your best work? you know, like I'd bring home something and he would ask me instead of like, you could do better. It was always like, is this your best work? And if I said like, yes, daddy, he would say, good job. You know, like you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Um, So that's kind of childhood for me was, um, I was an awkward kid. I was always a chunkier gymnast. Like I was never one of the small, skinny girls. Um, I was friendly. I had a lot of friends but not friends like I don't know if that makes any sense people knew me they knew Mm -hmm. my name they knew my face I was that kid in school who like when the teacher assigned homework I went home and I worked really hard on it and I did it and if she didn't take up the assignment I was like teacher Teacher, take this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I worked hard. If these kids didn't, that's on them. But I did this work, so you need to give me credit for it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I worked out for four hours, and then I stayed up, and I did this homework. Like, take up this work. Mm. Like, don't tell me to do something if you're not going to hold the – you know? I don't know. That was me. So naturally, people were like, oh.
1: She's that girl.
0: Yeah, she's that girl. And I feel like my whole life I've kind of felt like that girl. And that's kind of been one of the battles, um, one of the internal story battles that, I, that I've struggled to tell myself. Like, I love being here and I love being a part of CG, but every time I speak up, the story, that some, that the story I have to catch myself stopping and controlling is you're not that girl. Like, you have something valuable to offer. Mm. You have a voice. You have a presence. You fill a room. And that's okay. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But trying to rewrite that story um, that goes back so many years. Um, But I'm not that girl. And you know what? I am that girl. I might as well just own it. You know what I mean? So here I am. (laughs) Loudmouth Jenny, never stopping talking. So that's, um, that's, that's more about how... I grew up, um, my dad always taught me through movies and stories and he still teaches me lesson, life lessons to this day. You Mm -hmm. know, anytime I call him, he'll give me a quote. I'm like, okay, (laughs) done, thank you. (laughs) Like, I hear you, dad. Um, and now, you know, I have a phenomenal husband and a two-year-old little boy and just life never, I never expected life to look like this
3: mm, that's amazing how did you meet your husband
0: mm uh it's a weird story um i dated his best friend for nine months uh- <laughs> <laughs> um it's so it's super great um was an alabama story <laughs> 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 um, no so i was in college and um i was at a church i was going to a church kind of college group and um I met this boy, we started dating, he took me on a few dates, It was really great, he became my boyfriend, I met his best friend, Alan, he was uh, in my phone, his big brother, Alan, and, um, you know, I I dated, um, I dated the guy for about, for about nine months, and we broke up, and it was, I've never had a bad breakup, and like, I don't think that, I don't do well with dysfunction, or division, or, uh, I don't want when someone thinks of me to... For them to have a negative thought or if there's something that I did I want to right those wrongs like I feel very strongly about that so I really try to leave everything pretty amicably anything um, so anyway we let I just told him like I love you as a human but you're not my human and he was like I love you as a human but you're not my human um, and so Alan had been had been my best friend for about a year and a half up to that point he had been around me and um, And about six months after me and the guy broke up, Alan went to him and said, like, dude i want to ask jenny on a date are you like okay with it <laughs> that's my husband that's my husband impression. Just monotone? It's like horrible. no <laughs> so, he's not that's just a horrible impression of my husband i don't do pr- impressions very well but that's my husband voice like oh. uh he's like jenny i don't sound like that like he doesn't he's, he's so sweet um but so he went and he asked him he went and asked you know, our friend for permission, the guy was like, I mean, if you absolutely have to. And he was like, <laughs> no, I definitely do. And so he asked me out on a date. And um, then my my college roommate, my best friend, Laura, um, we, you know, she, she actually ended up dating my ex-boyfriend and then they got married. And now they have four beautiful babies and I was the maid of honor in her wedding and and Alan was a groomsman in their wedding and they're still like our very best friends. Um she only makes it weird sometimes. Well,
1: that's weird. that's really a <laughs> Alabama story,
2: honestly. It
0: kind of is. It's a weird love and I wanna say triangle, but it wasn't a triangle. It's like a like love a- like abacus no abacus is this thing. What is it? A rhombus? Qua- <laughs> like it's quadrilateral. Kind of yeah, like quadrilateral. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that.
2: Well. Um
0: yeah, so are they're, they're our best friends, Scotty and Laura, and they've got four beautiful children who are our godchildren and we have one beautiful child because I don't make as many babies as she does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we met at church and he took me to a he took me to a concert. Our first date story is really like interest I mean, it's not really interesting. I love telling it, but he took me to um a music Kind of like festival in our hometown. They don't do it anymore in Mobile, but it was this big music fest where they're like Willie Nelson came, Luke Bryan, Eric Church, Chris Cagle. So oh that's like gosh. all the country people. Like there's <laughs> like Ludacris and like some other people that I should probably know that I don't. I mean, I know of them, but I really I do like country music. Um, so we he took me to this to this festival, and um, the camera guy was walking down the. The um tea in front of the stage to the sound booth and Big and Rich played. Do I mean, you, you guys know who Big and Rich is? No, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. I'll I'll play. He sings. They sing. Um, uh, save a horse, ride a cowboy. No, I think Got i ringing probably ringing yeah. You're like, no, it's a, just say no, it's okay. <laughs> no, um, but they no also sing a really yeah. They also <laughs> sing a really sweet song called "Lost in This Moment with You." And so they came out. Big and Rich came out. They brought their bottle of Crown and two shot glasses, and they were like, "All right." We're going to take a shot. So the whole audience, they took, they like poured the like crown and they took shots and then they sang a big fun song and they're like, we're going to shut, we're going to slow it down a little bit. We better see some kissing going on out there. And so me and like my best friend at the time, we were like, ooh. Well,
1: what an icebreaker.
0: Yeah. So the um, there's these fence, you know, the fences that they put up to like keep people away from the roads, you yeah. know, at like parades and stuff. That's what was up. So I was sitting on the fence because my husband's six, five. Um, he'll be like, I'm six, four. And I'm like, you're six, four and a half. That rounds up. Okay. Um, so he will correct me. Um, but I was sitting on the fence so that I could be eye level with him. So I had my arm around him cause he was my friend and the camera guy comes and he puts the camera on us. And he was like, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, zo- like zooming in and he goes like, bro, are you going to kiss her? And so Alan will tell the story differently. He'll be like, I kissed you and then i tell the story differently like no i kissed you like we kissed each other it was like, <laughs> like this one moment of like let's do this
1: where is and that so, video yeah i don't know i've oh, never like.
0: seen it but i do have the the poster that they marketed this i have it framed in our house this big um bayfest poster from that year um framed that was our first kiss and i shook for like 15 minutes like my whole body was shaking cuz in my head i was like you did you did it you ruined it You've ruined your friendship. You've just lost one of the most important people in your life. We went on a date, and our first date was weird because I was like, "How many kids do you want like you know how do you how were you raised like how do you feel about this topic? What do you think about these things And he was asking me those same questions, so it was like, "How much money's in your bank account?" you know like <laughs> it was like i mean What's I your did, credit score <laughs> yeah, like kind of i mean i never I did not ask him how much money was in his bank account, oh. but it was like. It was like we were getting to know each other. I mean, we'd only know we'd knew each other for a year and a half, so we wanted to get to know each other deeper. Hmm. And so it was we t- we both said we wanted to have five kids and then we had one kid and we were like hard pass. <laughs> like we're good with one right now. <laughs> but when we were dating, that's what we said, five kids. We want a big family. Oh. So, that's, you know, he's he's my better half and I don't want to cry. It's just the best.
1: It's so awesome.
0: We've been together 11 years married six
1: i'm like putting the entire picture together inside my head of how like your father raised you you know through like give everything to you and then um you know you also told us a bit about like what 2018 to now look like like we know what the last like you know what the beginning of this year to now it looks like and it's like you're in the up and up but it's like i'm thinking about what did your dad hope for you having raised you the way that he did
0: mm. I think it kind of goes back to that question that he asked me when I was a kid, like, is this your best work? I think he just always expected me to be the best version of myself and you're going to make me cry. (laughs) He always told me that one day I was going to change the world. Like he always spoke that over me my whole life. Like, Jenny, one day you're going to change the world. Um, I didn't quite know how I was going to do that but I feel like I'm doing that in small ways now and it's such a such a blessing like when I teach and coach someone on how to have confidence in a sales process or how to how to be a better leader like it ripples out like grandmother willow and pocahontas like it ripples into into these lives like our presentation on feedback this last cg um we work with um christy and charles contreras alpine trust properties and there is um there's a girl in their acquisitions on their acquisition team her name is cindy And, uh, me and Cindy joke up the whole, like our whole, like the whole time that we're on this group call, she just, she makes me laugh and we connect. And I feel like, um, through, through the connection and walking her through the sales process on these group calls that we have and being able to answer her questions and just that, that relationship that you build with somebody where they trust you. So when you start, when they start trusting you, they start listening to you and taking action on the things that you're saying, like, she just, she just got a twenty-one thousand dollar commission check as an acquisition manager. Twenty-one thousand dollar commission, oh, that's and that changed her whole, like her and her wife and their baby, like it changed their life. That's a life-changing check, and like there's, like I started my career in inside sales for twenty-seven thousand dollars a year. She made twenty-one thousand dollars in one paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not. That's not little. like we we have a responsibility as business owners, as leaders inside of our organizations, to show up every day and to change the world. Like, and it's you doing your part. Like I'm thankful that we got to play a small part in that. And like now she's on pace this month. she's she's got ten deals so far on pace to do twelve or fourteen. Like that. That's an impact, and that's what Annie and I at REI Sales Tools, like, that's what we're all about. You know, I had sales reps that, like, were able to buy cars for their family and pay off student debt, like, student loan debt, and, like, get over these hurdles in their lives and transform. I keep a picture of a butterfly on my desk, and maybe that's not significant for anyone else, but when i see it it's beauty through pain and struggles and transformation and it just reminds me of like what i'm trying to do mm. so yeah what it, your question was literally about what does my dad want i think he wants me to be this exactly who i am and not be scared to be who i am and not to be scared to have a voice and to speak up and to listen sometimes his advice is to listen and he wants me to be a good mom and a good wife he spends much more time with us now since i've had my little boy he comes and spends like a month with us at a time and i love it like it's um it's cool it's really cool i think he's proud of me that's
2: awesome
3: i think he is too i remember when we first met you on the boat i was just so blown away by the amount of knowledge you had and the level that you were able to communicate it at and i just remember how that was all cool but then your husband called you and the way you lit up seeing your son it was just so amazing so i'm curious how has your son impacted your life now
0: And mm. you know y'all know how to make a girl cry <laughs> oh my gosh um I just, I want to be the best mom I can be to him. I want to raise him to be able to process. He's got big emotions. Can you tell where he got it from? Um, It's funny. He, um, watching, watching him grow and learn new things and speak up for himself. Like, he's two, but he's got a voice. Um, He knows what he wants and when he wants it, and, um... Just seeing who who he's becoming and being able to be a part of that growth for him. I just, I want to do what's right by him. I want to lead him and guide him. And I also want to allow, I don't know, I feel like sometimes I've struggled. Um, like I, Or maybe I haven't struggled. I've been intentional to not be the only parent as a mom. It can be really easy to feel like you have to do it all. Um, but really allowing my husband to step in and also be that parent, um, not expecting him to, but just allowing him the space to, Mm. you know, um, step in and to be a good dad. I've watched my husband transform into just like, he just melts when he thinks about our son. Um, it's changed me in a lot of ways, Um, It's, it's slowed me down. It's refocused me on what I really want in life. Um, I think a lot of my identity before him was really found in my career. And like, if you strip all of that away, I still have my husband and I still have my son. So I really want everything that I'm building the center of it to be my family, Mm -hmm. not them to be byproducts Mm -hmm. of my business. So my business is built around my family and my family time. And it was something that was really special and very important to both Annie and I in building out REI sales tools.
1: What was really important to you prior to having your son? And then what has that changed or converted to once you had him?
0: My life has changed over the last five, four years, five years in a lot of ways, um, probably four years. In the last four years, there's just been a lot of shift. Um, I got married in, in 2017, and our first year of marriage was good, not great, and um, over the last, well, I will be four years sober in July. And so I think that the things that were important to me before that so I don't think that it was my son or the business that really shifted my priorities, um, just life altogether. Um, what was important to me before was really self, like selfishness, I think. Like I've never been money driven. Like, I'm not, I'm not a, um, like, I don't know how much money's in my bank account. My husband takes, like, he, I have no idea. Like, I didn't file my tax, I haven't filed my taxes yet, I just got my tax return, and I was like, oh, that's how much I made, you know? Um, so money has never been a big driver for me. It was always, like, making an impact, like, having, like, speaking up, having a seat at the table, giving input. Those were always things that were really important to me. Like someone wanting to... Ooh. <laughs> someone wanting to know or listen to what I had to say. Um, those were always things that were really important to me. Hitting a goal, like setting a goal and hitting a goal. Um, so I think that those, those things were were important to me before. Um, But right now, like, communicating with my husband, building that relationship in my family, being able to help my son communicate. um, You know, since getting sober, those have been the most important things to me, building a relationship, a a foundation in my my marriage. Mm -hmm. I think that those are the most important things to me now. And I think that, that commu- those communication tools, those, um, those things also translate into my business with, with my partner, Annie, um, because she taught most of them to me. Mm. Um, so those are the things that are important to me now. Healthy communication, healthy conflict, um, honesty, transparency, vulnerability, authenticity, all of those things are important to me yeah. now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: None of those things were important to me before.
3: Would you be able to share how you met Annie and like how you guys decided to collaborate and?
0: Yeah. Um. So, um. At the company that I worked with, they um. That company actually hired SEAL Team Leaders, um. And we went through the SEAL Team Leader curriculum with Annie and Larry. Um. So they took the these print. Um. Larry was a Navy SEAL, um. Who was wounded and retired. Um, had a lot of back surgery and just, just a lot of trauma from, from that um, experience. And, but what they took from, from that experience was like these core concepts from the Navy SEALs and they distilled them down and really hyper-focused them for civilians in the business world. And so they came and they, they took us through their six pillars and I got so much value from being like in the room, listening to them talk, you know, I was invited to the table, it wasn't a whole team. I wasn't like this, um, this curriculum wasn't for the entire company. It was for the leadership team. So I was super honored to be able to like learn from them. And I'm a learner. Like if anybody, if anybody described me, I feel like they would describe me as that, like I said, I was like doing my homework. I was, I wanted to do those things. Um, so I was always a learner. Um, and so I just tried to take in as much from that as possible. And then I got pregnant. Um, so after we had gone through all of this and we moved on from SEAL team leadership, we went into, you know, other curriculums and different things. Um, essentially we kind of drifted away. Um, but when I got pregnant in 2020, the company brought Annie back for me as an executive coach. So she had experience as a woman, having two beautiful little boys, and also showing up on a high level, on an executive level in her career. And and I think that, thank goodness my mentor knew that I needed support and that he was not going to be able to give that to me. And they knew that, that this would either be make or break for me, that I would have a baby and never come back or have a baby and come back better.
2: Mm. And they
0: wanted to make sure that I had the support that I needed to have a baby and come back better. So that whole pregnancy journey for me was, um, up leveling my people, up leveling my team and making sure that I could work myself out of the process so that the company could run without me because I wanted to go my driver in that whole time was to be able to go and spend maternity leave with my family, having a baby, and not worried about my workload and my sales team performing. And so I put processes in place. I did all of the work. You know, I worked so hard to make sure that, they were ta- that the company was taken care of so I could go and do what I wanted to do and needed to do. Um, so that's kind of how Annie and I you know, formed a bond of trust was like going through her curriculum and realizing she was just an incredible super force of a woman. Like I just said to myself, like, I want to be like her. Um, And then being reconnected to her and walking through what some would say is a traumatic experience, like birthing a child, delivery, um, and then coming back into the workspace Um, she coached me through that journey. So she was an elite coach for me. Um, and then we drifted apart again, just like from like, you know, 2019 for a year, we really didn't speak after. And then she was my coach. And then a year went by without us speaking again. Um, and when I made the decision to leave the company that I was working for, I, um, I didn't, I didn't really tell anybody. There wasn't a lot of people. It wasn't this big social media post or anything like that. um, My sales team, like people on my sales team found out first. My sales guys and girls that that I loved and had worked so hard to help support, um, you know, they found out. Um, I went like a whole weekend and really didn't talk to anyone. And Annie was the first call that I made. And I said, you've always had wisdom for me in the past. Like, I'm going to expect you to give me some wisdom now. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I left my job, and I don't have a plan B. And I said, this is my heart, and these are the things I love doing. And I think that my genius zone is coaching and supporting people, and this is what I want to do. And um, she was like, Jenny, this this is no accident. She had just recently separated her coaching out from SEAL Team, um, going through some life changes for her. And when I say just recently, I mean like a week prior to me calling her. So she was still trying to figure out exactly what her new life was going to look like. There were plenty of people, I'm sure, who wanted to partner with her and work with her because of who she is and how she is. And when I called her... And I told her what I wanted to do and what I was thinking about. She was like, I'm 100% and I'm 150% and we need to do this together. And she talked about marrying her experience with my experience and her tools with my tools. And so it became tools for REI, REI sales tools. Um, and I think that for us, the love in it and the intention behind it, um, that was that's what's important to us is being intentional in what we mm-hmm. do and um, giving more than we're getting and um, our our desired end states aligned, our purpose is aligned, and we were stoked to get started. Mm-hmm. So now this is where we are. We've got eighty-seven people in our program, and we're loving it.
1: That's incredible. So you had left the job and there was a period of time in which you didn't jump from one thing to another. I didn't know that. There were
0: literally two days.
1: It was two days.
0: Two days that I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I talked (laughs) to Annie and then I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And we started working on building this business together and going through like what do you want out of this? What do you want out of this? Let's make sure we understand e- what each other has in mind and what our expectations of each other are. These are some core concepts. Um, so there were a few people that I was working with here and there, like on like one-off little things mm-hmm. to support other teams, but um, our program officially launched in February.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What were... Some of the things that you were thinking about during that time leading up to resigning, what did you what did you suspect was next?
0: So I think that most people have a plan when they leave a company. I showed up that day ready and 100 percent committed to my job. Um, and I did not know that that day would be the day that I would leave. So there was no plan. like I am the kind of person who, when I'm committed to something, like having an alternate exit mm. to me means I'm not committed. Mm-hmm. So I never looked for a plan B. I never thought about it. I was so happy. I was I was fueled. I felt like my team was moving in the right direction. There was a lot of really great things. Mm-hmm. The company decided to shift direction. You know, there were a lot of different a lot of different things um just kind of shift shifting directions. The company was moving from more of a boots on the ground model to a virtual model. Um just some of the, the, a big culture shift in in that movement together, you know, all together. Um and so there were some things that came up um that Thursday. Um I was totally on board with the changes that the company was making. I thought that they made sense at the time. Um but then when it came to where I would be, where my role would be, where it would shift to, what it would look like, um I just decided, I knew in my heart that could I do this absolutely, but I had to make a choice, like do am I willing and do I want to? Mm. I just, I knew in my heart that the answer was no. And so I called my coach at the time and I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he was like, you're not allowed to say, I don't know. You make sure you say, I don't know yet. Mm. Um, And he, and I asked him like, do I, do I know enough people? Have I built enough of a brand? Like, am I out there? Have I given enough to ask for, you know, ask for, these things back in return and so he you know told me like do you even have to ask um and so he was like you know you know this is your decision and I I knew what it was so I called my husband at work and I said like I just I need you to know that like I might if I don't have a job coming home today like do I have your support in this like is it okay like are we are we on the same page? Like before I say yay or nay, like I got to make sure you and I are in alignment. Um, I said, do I, do you support this decision? And he was like, I support you in whatever you do. And so that was it for me. He said, he said, I support you. And I knew like it's time for me to move on. And it was awful because it was the first time I think in the history of me working for that organization where I really put myself first Mm -hmm. um, and not my team first. And I knew I would active. I was actively having to choose, like, do I put these people that I love, I do love them, and I care about them and their growth, like, do I put them above what I know my need is, like, yeah. what I know I need for me? And I had done it for so long, and I just knew I I couldn't anymore. Mm. So
1: that's so amazing that your husband supported you through that time. I feel like it was another, you know, how we always have like these several tests within our marriage that really show us like how has the marriage been progressing and growing. And that just, that's just so beautiful. You know?
0: Thanks. He's the best. I told you, you, already made me cry about my husband once. Don't do it again.
3: <laughs> so what are some things that you've learned going from, I guess, more of an inside sales position to where you're having to do sales so that you help other people do sales and like build out a process that can be plug and play with, or I'm sure it's plug and play like only to a certain degree, but plug and play with all these different organizations.
0: So the question is, what have I learned going from lead manager to sales director? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really? Is that what you're yeah. asking? Now sales coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To and now coach. Yeah. Sales, yeah. sales coach, yeah. It's a big trajectory. Um, so number one, I was never a salesperson. I never wrote business. I went from setting appointments to working on the process of the organization as kind of an interim, um, like a assistant to the director of sales at the time at the company that I was working with. I've never, I've never closed business. I've never gone out and acquired property. And I don't think that you have to. I was analytical. I was. Um, when people show you their strengths, believe them. When they show up naturally, let them. Um, and I think that I was thankful and blessed enough to have had somebody inside of my organization see my skill set and say we can we can 100% use that on our team and allow me to jump steps. I think people think you go from this to this to this to this, um, and it doesn't have to be that way just because that's what people say. Mm -hmm. Um, I know 100% that there's no doubt that he probably got a lot of flack. Like she doesn't even, and that was probably, and I know for sure inside of my head, one of my biggest limiting beliefs was like, my team will never think, they will never think that I'm credible. My sales staff Mm -hmm. will never think that I'm credible because she hasn't closed business. Um, but I, what I did was I studied, I went and I learned. And I learned what are people doing, what's working, what's not working. I was listening to podcasters, reading books. I was listening to the gurus. I was doing all the things to help my team and to support my team. And what I realized was, like, this process and the core concepts of this process are so fundamental. And um, when you understand the fundamentals of anything, you can up-level people. And people can up-level themselves. When you teach them the fundamentals... These sales guys, they've already got the sales acumen. They've already got the, you know, a lot of them have the confidence. Um, They needed a systematic way to get consistent. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what I was able to help my team figure out was the systematic way to drive consistent results for themselves and to not get frustrated and burn out. I was able to analyze what was happening, who was doing more of the right things, and then replicating those right things across the business and process. So, I'm a process person. I'm not a closure. Yeah. You know, like whatever. <laughs> um, and I and I really teach like the you know with with the communication tools. I think that sales is shifting, and my, it, it has shifted from what you saw back in the day to like you know those car sales, the always be closing mindset. I teach a different ABCs in my program. I don't think that when you focus on the clothes, you show up in communication the way you should with intentionality, with transparency, with vulnerability, because you're only focused on the result. Mm. And so if you're only focused, I mean, think about that. If you're only focused on the result with your spouse, what happens? Like they're like, you're not listening. You're only worried about yourself. You're only trying to get what you want. Right When we show up focused on a predetermined outcome, we show up different. So we rewrite the ABCs and we rework those concepts and we teach you a different way of thinking in the program that focuses on the one plus one. Because one plus one, what will it always equal? Two. So it's mastery of the process, Hmm. not mastery of the results.
1: The entire time you were talking, I felt like I can really relate because I've always taken the perspective of putting the seller first, putting the person who needs to get from point A to point B first and figuring out what are their actual needs and where do I fit in this picture or do I fit in this picture and coming from a heart of or a servant leader mindset, I'm here to always put you first and I'm always going to communicate with you. And try to put you in a better place than where you are right now. And that's my whole heart, my whole intention. I let people know that. And it's like that's not what people envision a clothes are doing.
0: Right. But you'll see that like those always and I tell it's so funny because I when I tell these salespeople like the clothes doesn't matter that like their CEOs are like, What? <laughs> Like, how dare you? Of course the clothes matters. And I'm like, let me finish. You know? (laughs) Like, give me just a second. Let Let me land this plane. Let's land this plane together. Like, if you build it, they will come. Right? Field of Dreams. Like, if your objections are happening after you are pitching your offer... And giving a number, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like those closers, guess what they're able to do? They're able to pitch their number and then they're able to objection handle mm-hmm. because they're just confident in their abilities and they're not willing to budge, right? They're just they're shameless, right? And they're oop, and they're in their ability to just keep going. It's that grind set mindset, mm-hmm. right? Call it a grind set. So they're just they just grind it out and they just do it and it's gritty and it's knit, you know, just it's raw and they're willing to go to go through that process but i think that there are more sales reps in the world out there now who that is not they've not had success with that so they're trying something different and for me in my analytical process brain i was like if i can help them overcome these objections these are the objections how do we address those before mm. our number how can you know how if we can address these things before our offer makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I always tell my salespeople, you can't make a duck a dog.
1: I thought you can't make a cat a dog.
0: I mean, I, you can't. <laughs> it just depends on the day. Whatever the animal is. Um, you can't make a horse a dog. I don't know. I just say duck. Like, depends on the day. <laughs> you can't make a horse a horse. I just did it. You can't make a duck a dog. It's something that I've always said. Like, A duck is a duck is a duck. A dog is a dog is a dog. Like you can't make someone your seller who isn't your seller. Mm. Like you only can ask them questions. You can only uncover what they want, what they need, and how you can support them. And what I learned that was so, for me, like in my journey that was just so transformational, like that light bulb moment that I have, was like I have a core fundamental understanding of the sales process in relation to a seller Like, I learned that. I have a core, fundamental understanding. Why the hell am I not using this sales process in my marriage? Why the hell am I not using this sales process as a sales manager with my sales people? This is a proven process. So when I figured out that this wasn't just for talking to sellers, when I figured out this worked with my husband, this worked with my friends, this worked with my kid, this works with my sales reps. Like, when I figured that out, it's really when... Like, I started Catching Fire,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. Hunger Games. <laughs> I can't to <laughs> Yo,
1: know, I feel like you're about to be, like, the most quotable person in the entire CG, because <laughs> literally, I forgot who it was in my room, but they were just like, yeah, like Jenny Husband, but I can't say it in, like, the cool southern accent that she has. You can't make a cat and dog. And mm-hmm. then, all of a sudden, they're going to put it up on the board one day, and it's like, wait it's a minute. I thought, you, yeah. I thought she said you can't make a duck a dog. Yeah. I was like, what did she actually say?
0: <laughs> I love it. It's funny. This event, like, um, I think I love that everyone in the, in the group is so willing to be held accountable to, like, such a high level to the things that they say. Um, and so, like, as we were in these rooms, people were talking, and, like, our language is so powerful, Like if I've learned one thing through my life is that what you speak over yourself like will happen Mm. and your prayers are powerful and your words matter. So choose them wisely. And I still work on it and I still have to work on it myself. Um, But there are a lot of people that were saying different things like, um, my biggest problem is this or my, like I suck at this. Um, I'm not good at this. And everybody in the room was like, good. And I, was, <laughs> and you know, like it was funny, but I was like, yet I'm not good at this yet. Like that one word shifts mm-hmm. it. And so like we say so many things in our brains are, are, um, I learned this, um, from Dr. Elko. He says, your brains are like Velcro for the negative. And he's like this raging Cajun. He's Nick Saban's life coach. And, um, he says, your brains are like, um, Velcro for the negative, and and what you focus on expands. And so when we focus on, I'm not good at this, our Mm -hmm. brain justifies all the reasons why Mm -hmm. we're not good at it, versus I'm overcoming this obstacle, I'm growing and evolving into this, Mm -hmm. and now our brain starts looking for ways to overcome it, ways to identify solutions to move us forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we say, I don't know, we're giving our brain permission Mm -hmm. To stop trying Mm -hmm. so I catch myself still like I don't know and I'm like "Ah, yet (laughs) you know like I added in when I catch myself but I had I still have to like I snap I snap a lot I'm like when something's good I snap when I catch myself I snap I can't snap with this hand um, but I can snap with this hand so anyway I do this it's just this one (laughs) (laughs) exposed yeah (laughs) um but I I snap and I catch myself and it, like, snaps me into what I know to be true and um, rewriting that language and and controlling that narrative because I can only control me, Mm. some of the things that I've learned and I'm learning.
1: So what have been some of the biggest hardships or obstacles in which you've overcome um, having started up the entire new coaching program?
0: With the program, I think the biggest thing for us has just been, like, I can't, I guess I can't really speak for any, uh, I can speak for me that the limiting beliefs, just daily being intentional about rewiring my, my thought patterns, rewriting those patterns, because, um, I told you guys that my dad let, my dad raised me from the time I was little and my mom, my mom didn't, she wasn't in the picture. And so I think One of the things I learned through getting sober and going through AA was Mm -hmm. that my biggest fear was that fear of rejection and abandonment. Mm -hmm. And the story I always told myself was, you're not enough. Um, You'll never be enough. Or the flip side of that, you're too much. So that spectrum for me was like, no matter what I did, I was not enough or I was too much. Like I was never just uh, accepting of myself.
1: Where did that come from?
0: My mom leaving. Mm -hmm. My mom leaving. Because I felt like... The story that I told myself is, like, if your your own mother didn't love you, then no one ever would. And the truth is, is that my mom tremendously loves me. She just struggled, and she made mistakes, and she's a human, just like all of us. And um, it took me a while to realize that. And I think into my adulthood, like, I was able to understand it more. And then after having a child understand it a little bit more, that, like, we all struggle and we're all flawed— Um, But yeah, it was deep rooted in me from, from being the, you know, what was supposed to have been a mother and a father now to what is only a father. I think that's really where it started. And um, like I said, I've only been sober for four years. And so that, that's a new concept for me that like, you know, you're okay. You're not too much. You're not enough. Like it's okay to be yourself. Mm -hmm. But so I think the mindset, for me, has been probably the biggest struggle in the business. Um, I think comparison is the thief of all joy. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at what other people are doing, it, I get in my head. And so I have to be intentional about rewriting and controlling that narrative. Like, you don't have to be what they are. You don't have... Like, there's already one of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's not... There's only one of you. Yeah. And so... That would be my, my most honest answer, is that when I compare myself to other people, I get in my own way. Mm. And when I compare myself to yesterday, I'm really freaking proud of myself. Like, if you just compare yourself to who you were the day before or who you were the minute before. in the gain. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. I feel like could really relate to what you're saying in a sense to My partner, Kenny, I've always been trying to encourage him in order to grow in his leadership skills because the better of a leader that he becomes, the better of a leader that we all become because he's so influential. He's so powerful. He has so much uh, potential. And it's just like, he's like the, he will multiply results. You know, we just need to make him better because he will be, uh, he will lift everybody up. You know, he is the rising tide that will lift all boats. And in that, you know, that's our, business partnership dynamic but also our friendship so i just wanted to know like what's your uh friendship relationship business partnership with annie look like how do you guys encourage one another
0: oh this one's fun um so because we were so intentional about making sure that she and i were on the same page before we founded like the business before we became partners we knew exactly what i knew exactly what she wanted and where she wanted to go. And she knows exactly what I want and where I want to go. We were able to reverse engineer our business practices from that emotional feeling that we wanted to feel about our business. So we do things different. Um, you know, we, when we, we wanted to make sure that our, biz- when I thought, when we, both of us, when we thought about our partnership, we wanted to associate that thought and that feeling with like fun. And so when we go and when we do things and when we spend time together, we want to make sure that it's not just grind work. It's not just work. Um, So, you know, last time we were in Clearwater, Annie and I, um, no, the last event that we did, we were in Austin. Um, We went out and we went to like four different like bars, but like I said, I'm sober. So we wanted, we were trying to find like a bar where we could go dancing because Annie and I love to dance. Like I can't dance. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm like phenomenal or anything. Don't make me dance in front of you, but I can go listen to live music and just absolutely rock out and be free and just vibe. And so we chose to do that in Austin. This time, you know, we decided that, We were both willing to leave our families for two additional days so that we could go and spend time at the beach. So tomorrow we're waking up at the butt crack of dawn and we're going to go put our feet in the sand and we're going to lay on the beach for hours and we're going to go walk around um, Lido Beach and the center, whatever the circle is. I don't even know what it is, So we're going to go and we're going to do these things together so that we can process everything that has transpired, but also like really get to love on each other. We hug a lot. Um, We're both really into like, we feel the energy of other people in a lot of ways. Um, So if you're coming at me angry, like I'm going to feel that if you're, you know, like it, and it will stick with me. Mm -hmm. One of the things that like, you'll see me, I'll reach over and just like hold her leg. I'll put my hand on her Mm -hmm. leg and I'm just absorbing her energy. And then she'll put her hand on top of mine, and she'll take energy from me. And so we can just kind of get back to that neutral place. Like if something's happening, we just kind of come back to that neutral. It probably sounds really hooky, hokey. I don't think weird. so at
3: all. Um, I have a, a partner on one of my one property I have, and it was so weird. I, d- I did a triathlon a couple weeks ago, and up until that point, I've only like – Shook his hand. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it, I don't know why our relationship was like that. Like, we only ever shook our hand, like, super seriously, and he hugged me, and it was just like, it made me feel really good, and I feel like it made him feel really good, too. <laughs> well,
0: so, it's actually, like, scientific, which I, I there was somebody at the last CG who did this presentation, and in his, and I wish I could remember who it was, but he talked about energy and how energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be mm, transferred. transferred. I remember that, yeah. And I was, like, mind-blown because I am, I love transferring energy. You know, I want to be that sunshine in a room, that light. You know, I want to transfer that energy to the people in my life. And um, I'm thankful because when I get out of balance, when my energy is 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 shifted, Annie can help me recenter. And I think my husband does that for me, too. And, like, there are people, my best friends, like, they are those, those gatekeepers for me. And, um, so yeah, the way that we do business different is like, we bring fun into business. I think that we're also really intentional. Um, you know, in the, in the business, like I work really hard to, like, I know everybody, I know all 87 people's names. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that that's important. Like, if somebody messages me from our program, I want to know like that Cindy. She has a wife and a and a daughter. Like I want to know those things about them. I want to know her name. I want to know what she's doing in her life. And one of the first things that we did in our program was a like a massive deeper why exercise. So we're on this group calling everyone sharing. They don't know each other. Like no <laughs> one knows anybody, but now they're getting vulnerable. And we went through like, why do you show up to work every day? And we go three layers deep and we figure out like, I do this. Like there was someone in our program who was the, the oldest son of five kids. And so he always felt like he had to be a leader and so like he I know that he's the oldest and so he's got that mindset of like I am and I am responsible. And, like he said, I show up to work every day because I am capable of leading. And he knew that about himself and that, that's where it came from. And like we I think that's that intentionality is one way that we're different in our partnership and our business. Um like I said, bringing fun into everything that we do. Yeah. I never expect Annie to be anything other than who she is. And she's never embarrassed by me or she never expects me to be anything other than what I am.
1: It's awesome. Um, you sound like one of the owners from my CrossFit gym whom, what's it called? Let me describe this entire setting to you where it's just like, one of the people told me, oh man, Eric just hires people who are like himself. And it's like, you know, self growth, uh, personal growth, self development guy who likes putting his heart and soul into things, making people better. And he's just like, of course, why would he not hire people like himself? Yeah. Yeah. And then he takes it another level higher. He's been doing the gym thing for like last 10 years. And ever since then, there's been ebbs and flows, just cycles because he went from a garage up to owning this gym. And he had shared with me. There was this one guy named Uncle Brian from the very, very beginning who has always been a member, always subscribed, and always supported Eric. And Eric came into the whole gym business when he was like 26, 27, now he's like 37. He's just like, that guy has been with me since the very, very beginning. And through those times, he had always stayed encouraged, knew everybody by their name, built a community. Like even on Fridays, like after the workout or on Saturdays, I think after the workout, when everyone has a little bit of time to breathe, it's just like, hey, what's something in which you're super grateful for this week? And all the coaches know to, you know, um, harp that over all of the people that they're training. It's just like, wow, that's such great energy. That's such great thing, a community.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I think
1: that's one of the things that was really lacking in maybe all the guru coaching over the last couple years or maybe it's just how everything has developed and continued to advance. We really need community. We really do need other people and we really do need to transfer energy between one another.
0: Mm, I think like for us when we created our core values, like one of our core values is connection. Mm -hmm. For us, that definition is to weave vulnerability, authenticity, and trust into every interaction. Um, that's where we feel the most fulfilled and loved and energized. And we want to bring that to the people around us. So thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm like, it makes me feel good that you see that and can compare us to a culture of people like that. So
1: it's really hard to find. It's insanely hard to find. I mean, I go to multiple Gym's like one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. And it's like the gym on the East Coast is so amazing in terms of the facility. I mean, the culture is also great, but it's not that. And this gym over here is like rinky dink, like maybe, uh, you know, 10 foot ceilings, whatever. And it's like, but it's the people. Mm-hmm, it's the people, the people that make yeah. the gym. And it's kind of like the church where it's just like, yo, it's not the building. It's not the building, bro. It's the people who make
0: the church. It's like your companies. Yeah. Like, Mm. it's the people people that matter. I've said that in every presentation.
1: We have a 100-square-foot office back at home. There's four of us inside this 100-square-foot closet.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs)
1: And it's like, that's fine. It's the people. It is.
2: It's the people.
1: (laughs) So wrapping up,
3: what is some advice that you would give your son if he was to listen to this?
0: Mm. So... I, I'm, I know the answer 100 million percent because I say this literally every day of my life. Um, one of the things that I have learned through my growth journey and just um, something I think that my dad kind of instilled in me, um, he always used to tell me that bad choices limit future options. And I think that that is um, super profound in and of itself, like bad choices limit your future. hmm And so I think as I've evolved, I've kind of created my own saying. So if I were to leave a legacy behind and anything that you could put on my gravestone, um, it would be to make choices that you're proud of yourself for. And so Mm -hmm. that is so much deeper than for me than it sounds. Like, am I going to wake up today and like go to the gym or like, am I going to, it's am I going to be proud of myself for every choice that I make? AA taught me to um, to take ownership and to ask for forgiveness and to, like, own the mistakes, like, seek amends, to own the mistakes that I made in my life. And, and so every day when I laid down at night, I went through this, this evolution of my day, and did I... Did I make myself proud in every moment? Did I make did I take the right step in every moment of that day? And so when I laid down and I sifted through, like it just ingrained in me this mindset of like make choices, take steps that you're proud of yourself for. Like make choices that you are proud of yourself for. So that's what I would tell my son. I would hope that what would make him proud of himself is living his life according to the principles that he, that his dad and I have really tried to teach that are that are values in our family and that he forms his own identity and makes choices in and of himself that he can be proud of and that when we look at all the things that he does in his life and I hope that they're numerous and amazing and that he changes the world one day but that he can look back and say like I am really proud of the choices that I made um, that would be. That would be the legacy that I would hope to leave. And that's what I bring into our business. One of our core values is choice. And it's an acronym. It says, in all things, consider how our input changes everything. Wow. Choice is important to us. That's a banger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a bar. (laughs) (laughs) So if people wanted to get a hold of you, get in contact with you, I know you also do REI Sales Tools and training, how can they get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, so our email, uh, my email is Jenny at REI Sales Tools. Feel free to shoot me an email, or you can find me on Facebook, Jenny Hudspeth, and you can slide into my DMs. Um, That would be totally fine. Or you can go to our website, uh, REISalestools.com, and sign up for the program if you want more coaching and support. Um, We do a discovery call, so... I would love to talk to as many people that want to talk to us mm. about their business and if we're the right fit. Yeah. Because I think it's important to be ready for a step like this. It's yeah. awesome.
1: Thanks a lot, Jenny. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming out here Thanks. and you know, putting all of this like, wisdom, knowledge, and heart and soul into this podcast. <laughs> and I know this is your, your first, and I'm sure it's not going to be your
0: last. Thank you all for letting me be here.
1: All right, guys. This has been the Not a Genius
2: podcast with Johnny, H- Jenny Hudspeth. Peace out. See you Bye. guys.